Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our savior, and that the church say. Amen. May be seated. Well, it's always good to be with you. Um, greetings from the people of Transfiguration in downtown Cleveland. Um, that's where I'm currently acting as the vicar <laughs> since the last time I was there. Um, it's a challenge, but it's a good challenge, and um, we're doing good work down there. And they all send their love. My word shall not return to me void, Isaiah 55:11. In today's gospel, Jesus uses the image of seed sown on different kinds of soil to teach his listeners about the fruitfulness of God's word. Every seed that has the same, has the same potential for growth it is the type of soil that determines how abundant the yield will be. The prophet Isaiah seems to say the same thing. God's word, like the seed, always remains faithful. It will not return void, so it seems that our human response determines the harvest that we'll receive back. Perhaps this explains why some people seem to bear more spiritual fruit than others. The Old Testament story of King Saul and King David offers us a dramatic illustration of this principle. Saul was chosen by God to rule over Israel. But because of his fear and selfishness, he disobeyed the Lord. He didn't make a good return to God or bear lasting fruit. And as a result, God chose someone else, a man after his own heart, to replace Saul, the shepherd boy David. Now, David did what God asked him to do. He fought Israel's enemies. He rescued the Ark of the Covenant from the Philistines. And he even danced joyfully before the Lord for all to see. And if you really read the scriptures carefully, he didn't have anything on when he was dancing. Which, in Jewish culture, it was the greatest act of humiliation to be naked in public. But David stripped off his garments and danced boldly before the crowd for the Lord. Of course, we all know that David was far from perfect. He committed adultery, and he let himself get caught up in a web of deception and murder. But he also repented. We see that in Psalm 51. Despite his serious failings, David's humility allowed God to continue to use him. It wasn't because he was perfect that David could bear fruit for the Lord. It was because he loved God and tried to follow him with his whole heart. David and Saul's story shows that God can work with flawed people who are humble, dedicated, and willing to turn back to him when they realize they've screwed up. Through repentant sinners like David and through repentant sinners like us, the seed of God's word doesn't return empty. It bears fruit. In the first reading, the Lord tells us through the metaphor of rain how fruitful his word is. My word shall not return to me void, but shall do my will, achieving the end for which I sent it. What do those words mean to you? How do those words apply to your life? The responsorial psalm also speaks of what God has done to produce a fruitful land. You have visited the land and watered it. Greatly have you enriched it. God's water courses are filled. You have prepared the grain. Thus you have prepared the land, drenching its furrows, breaking up its clods, softening its showers, and blessing its yield. 
In what ways is that related to the metaphor of rain in the first reading and the role of God's word in preparing, breaking, and softening our hearts and then blessing the yield in our lives? Can you give an example when God's word softened your heart and led to fruitful changes in your life and your ministry outreach to others? The letter to the Romans contains these powerful words of St. Paul. Creation was made subject to fertility, not of its own accord, but because of the one who subjected it, in hope that creation itself would be set free from slavery to the corruption and share in the glorious freedom of the children of God. What messages is St. Paul trying to convey with those words? Where in your life have you experienced glorious freedom? That is, that you've had victory over sin. In the parable of the sower in the gospel reading, we read once again of the seeds being sowed in the resulting harvest. In particular, he describes four different types of soil that the seeds are planted in, the path, the rocky ground, thorns, and the rich soil. How would you describe the meaning of each of these soils? Which of these soils described in the parable of the sower best describes the state of your heart right now? What steps can you take to make your heart a rich soil that hears the word and understands it and bears fruit and yields 100 or 60 or 30 fold? In this gospel, Jesus also speaks of why he speaks in parables because they, took, they look but they do not see and they hear but they do not listen or understand. What message do you think Jesus was trying to convey with these words? So often we hear the words Sunday in and Sunday out. We come to the liturgy and we say, the priest says this, you say that, and it washes over us as if it had no effect. We press the church button. And the required response comes out. But are we really changed by it? Are we really changed by it? What additional steps can you take prior to the liturgy, to prepare your heart and mind to listen and understand to the Sunday readings? What about just prior to hearing the readings during the service? When receiving the Eucharist this morning during the liturgy, how careful are you to prepare your heart and mind to really see and listen? Is it truly a time of communion, which means that one met with the Lord? And is he healing you? Is he touching you? Is he feeding you? And then encouraging you to go out with his very presence into the world around you to make a difference. Because, you see, if it doesn't, then what we do on Sunday mornings, brothers and sisters, is just play church. And God isn't about playing church. He wants you to be the church. He wants you to be his hands and his feet, his eyes and his ears, to places that only you can go with people that only you'll be able to affect because collars get in the way, investments get in the way, and they don't trust us, priesty types. <laughs> and rightly so, because there's a lot of stuff that's happened in society lately to tell people that they shouldn't trust clergy. But they'll trust you not because of your message so much, but because of who you are. They trust you. They love you. They believe in you. And as you love people, you love on people radically, what begins to happen is 
You build a relationship, and then when you build the relationship, they're going to ask you why you are the way you are. And you can then begin to talk about this person, Jesus, and who he is, and why he makes a difference in your life. Because you've earned the right to speak that message to them. Because you put flesh on God, and you became his eyes and ears, his hands and his feet. So as we go through this coming week, I pray that the seeds that God plants this morning would grow and bear much fruit. That there'd be a divine appointments already for you this week with people that you're not even aware of and that God would make himself abundantly clear when those times come that you would boldly and faithfully step through the door of that invitation. So let us pray. Have mercy on us, God, in your goodness. Help your word to bear fruit in our lives today. Lord, we want to be about the things of you. We want to be your church. We want to be your living presence in the world today. We thank you for this community of faith that we can gather Sunday in and Sunday out and that we can hear your word preached and proclaimed and we can come around your table to receive your precious body and blood. But help us, Lord, to realize that as we receive your word and your presence in communion, that we're called to go out into the world to take that message to those most in need. And all those things we ask in Jesus' most precious name and by the power of his spirit, and let the church say, Amen. Amen.